Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club, Lakers podcast from The Athletic. I'm Bill Orem, joined by Jovan Buha, who is at the scene of the Austin Reeves miracle, the dagger in Dallas, Austin, Texas. Austin Reeves hits the game winner against the Mavericks last night to extend the Lakers winning streak to three, their second three-game winning streak of the season. Lakers are now three games above 500. They're on the road. Jovan is on the road also. He is, as I said, in Dallas, getting ready to head up to Minneapolis for the second stop on the road trip. Jovan, listen, man, you're on the trip. You were in the building. Um, I could tell you what I thought of Austin Reeves' shot. I could tell you I think it was the best moment of the season. Um, But what the hell, man? Tell me what it was like. What was it like to be in the building? And uh, what were some of your takeaways from... From that moment. Well, I certainly agree with you. It was the best moment of the Lakers season. And it was so really many this... to choose from. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that that's part of it. But a minute and a half uh, into the podcast, I already went there. <laughs> I mean, just what what a finish to that game, right? Like there, there were so many. I mean, it looked like another one of those situations that the Lakers blow a game against uh, no offense to Dallas, but a lottery level team without Luka Doncic. Uh, so th- they're playing another either, you know, lottery team or undermanned team, you know, blow another game. And, you know, they, they Dallas screws up the rebound. They, they have two guys fighting for it. Ball gets loose. AD tips it to Wayne Ellington, who wisely pump fakes, uh, gets, I, I think it was Dorian Finney-Smith. I don't remember exactly who closed out on him, but he hits that huge three after just airballing a three. Uh, you had so, like so many weird plays on the stretch where guys are airballing and then they're coming back and making big plays. You had Russ, uh, you know, like you, you could, I, I don't know if you saw the corner angle, but there's a corner angle of the rush shot where you can see Dallas's reaction where they're like happy that he's taking that corner three. And then all <laughs> of a sudden it goes in and you just see their reaction. Like, come on, Russ is hitting a three against us in crunch time. Like, uh, and, and then Austin who, had just gotten chewed out by LeBron for making a defensive uh, mistake and, and not getting out to a shooter makes the biggest shot of his career and really isn't that phased by it. Like, you, you, I mean, you saw him celebrating. He, he was happy, but uh, just the, his composure and, and you know, the, the way that his teammates talk about him, the way that Frank Vogel talks about him and the way he talks about himself. Like th- this guy has incredible poise and maturity for someone that is only 23 years old and went undrafted. And uh, I, I thought his story about, uh, you know, talking about Lon Kruger and w- when he realized, you know, he was a, a red shirt transfer at uh, U of O or, you know, Oklahoma. O- U. O- U. O- U. I messed that up. U of O is the other uh, U of O is a different uh, one. Different school. from the Northwest don't um, love. Yeah. So uh, at, at O U, uh, he, he talked about, didn't specify if it was a practice or a game, but going out to his pickup truck, uh, which was a nice detail. And uh, Kruger comes up to him and says, you know what? I think you have what it takes to, to make it at the next level. And that gave Austin the confidence that, hey, I, I, I already believe it, but 
this is someone who has seen players and has molded players that have gone to the NBA. And the fact that he's telling me that, uh, that that's all the confidence that I need. So uh, I, I thought that it was cool that, you know, t- some 200 miles away uh, from the AAC was the moment where Austin realized he could play in the NBA. And I think last night, the rest of the world, uh, the rest of the non-Laker world saw it. And I, I thought it was just a really cool moment and something that could potentially galvanize this team. I know we, we've said that multiple times this season, but last night felt a little different. I feel like we need a gong for every time somebody <laughs> says that this could be the turning point in the season. Like, I don't know. I didn't say a, turning point because I know people don't like that phrase. <laughs> got a glass bottle of water here. Let's see if I can get a sound effect. Yeah, it's a turning point. I'd like a little more resonation. Every time we say turning point, take a shot. Oh, there it is. There, I've done it. Probably just like made 50 of our listeners, all 50 of our <laughs> listeners, like recoil in pain with the uh, dinging in their ear. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, man. I mean, it was, you know, when you're a team that's like still searching for an identity and like trying to build, you're going to hold on to the moments you know that bring you together and like i don't know man like i thought it was great watching dj dump the 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 you know the the water bucket over over austin and if you look closely you know who's in the background filming the whole thing russell westbrook you know um and and lebron's i think lebron passed him the game ball in the locker room um you can't tell me that that doesn't do something for the collective spirit and uh chemistry of the team and you know it, it's cool that you've got a guy who not only is a rookie or an undrafted rookie, but on this team with, you know, he said it last night, you know, six Hall of Famers. He said you could argue more. I don't think you could argue that there are more than six Hall of Famers on this team unless unless you think that Austin Reeves is going to one day get there. Um, I, you know, six Hall of Fame, six, six Hall of Famers on the roster at this point. Sure. Why not? Like, let's <laughs> let's let's just lean all the way in. Uh, but to me, it's pretty clear that, you know. You know they've really embraced him and 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 brought him in and you know trust him and and you know there was uh, you know I, I would say you know Mir and Fader from the Ringer wrote a, a really long uh, in depth profile of Austin Reeves yesterday that got into a lot of you know uh, details about about uh, how much the Lakers have embraced him but it's you know he has the trust of LeBron he has the trust of Russell Westbrook and by the way I will say Mir and Fader with like maybe the all time greatest feature timing ever dropping a story on Austin Reeves the day that he hits the shot of his life. But, um, you know, he's a part of what they're doing here. And the fact that he is, you know, they trust him in those in those crunch time situations that he now has the experience of hitting a big shot, you know, on this stage. He's hit game winners before, which is something we can talk about. But the fact that he did it, you know, in an NBA game when the Lakers are really in need of wins. And more than that, even they're really in need of not losing games to bad teams, which like you said, the Mavs currently are without Luka. Um, so, I mean, I just thought it was a really, you know, powerful scene all around for the Lakers last night to get that, um, to get that result, to get the, um, the moment for Austin, um, you know, and like if Wayne Ellington hits that three, you know, everybody's going to, you know, be excited and, you know, he'll get the, he'll get doused and all that, but you know, Wayne Ellington's supposed to make that shot. You know, that's why he's there. Um, Austin Reeves, you know, I, the fact that he's on the floor in December in the final seconds of a, of a, you know, of a game against a, a potential playoff opponent is not something any of us would have expected. Now you can point to the circumstances, you know, the Lakers have been shorthanded this, this year with injuries. And now you've got three players in the COVID protocols, which I mean, has been another big theme of this week. So, I mean, circumstances dictated that he'd be on the floor, but he's also been consistently 
uh, productive for the Lakers when he's been on the floor this year. And so um, really just a super positive and pleasant story in a season that, I mean, listen, Jovan, you and I have talked about it. There hasn't been a ton to, um, you know, feel good about with this Lakers team because there's such a constant weight about, well, are they a championship team or not? Because that's the only standard. And um, it was nice just to have a moment that you could appreciate for what it was, which was a really nice moment. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or or wherever you get your podcasts, listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think last night is a genie you know, in the bottle moment for me where there's no going back to Austin Reeves collecting DNPs and you know playing a, a bite-sized role on this team. Like To me, I don't know if there's a better two-way wing on the Lakers right now Aside from the obvious of like LeBron James, right? But aside, from, take the stars out. Among the role players, there might not be a Thank better two-way. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, honestly, Reeves has played better defense than LeBron recently, but that, that's a whole other conversation. But you know, among the role players, Austin Reeves right now, I think is the best two-way. Like, I don't know a guy who's playing better on both ends, you know, collectively. Um, you, you got like Avery playing well defensively and, uh, some other guys playing well offensively, but that two-way, you know, nature that he has, I just, I don't like. To, to me, I, I said this in in a, a recent mailbag a couple weeks ago. I think he probably should be the starting shooting guard, uh, you know, and go Reeves and Ariza around the big three. Uh, I know that's unlikely. It, it seems like the Lakers are really intent on starting Avery Bradley and or Taylor Horton Tucker. So I, I don't know if Reeves cracks the, the starting unit, but. To me, he proves he should probably be in the closing unit, and he should be playing twenty to twenty-five minutes every single night. And because the, you know he's he's not going to shoot the ball this well, he's not going to go five for six on three every night. But he just does all the little things, and he's that type of glue guy that is just really you know you need that in uh, you know a productive unit. So um, that's <laughs> I just what yes four. Thank you. All right. Is some, um. some, of the, some of the some of the perils of of, of podcasting from your hotel room. Uh, can you uh, listen? We're not. We're not. We're definitely not uh, 
editing that out, by the way. So tell us what <laughs> tell, tell us everything. Like people like to know the life of a traveling beat writer. I'm on the edge of my seat. What just happened? Paint a picture for us. Okay, so it is one fifteen Central Time. I requested late checkout when I checked in. Uh, late checkout with for me is four p.m. My flight my flight actually just got delayed during this podcast from four thirty to five. So I have a little bit of extra time here. Uh, but the uh, cleaning lady just opened the door because I, she she was knocking and asking, and I, I didn't want to stop my thought on, on Austin Reeves. So I uh, let her interrupt the podcast, and I just told her that I'm checking out at four, so I have another three, two and a half hours to uh, to be in this room, and then I gotta. Madam, go. don't so. you know that this is the Forum Club? You should have invited her in. I mean, it's the Forum I, I should have. Club. I should it's have an, asked her what an, she thought of Austin Reeves. Experience. <laughs> Big big Mavs fan. Listen, I am going to uh, I'm going to ring the um, the breaking news gong, or okay. the I guess I'll call it the intelligence gong. Hold on. Okay. Um, so you said Austin Reeves should be the starter. Uh, one thing I was told, and if you go back to November, Austin Reeves was playing really well and was playing big min- minutes right up until he had his uh, an ankle injury. I think he had a sprained ankle or something like that. Whatever it was that cost him a couple of weeks. Um, Maybe it was a, I, this is, I'm such a great reporter. Um, hamstring, ankle, something in the lower extremities. Um, but I was told he was supposed to start that game against Miami back on November 10th, when the Lakers, you know, had lost you know to Portland, and then they you know eked out a win against Charlotte, and they were kind of mixing things up. They were going to go with, with the small lineup and start Austin Reeves, and then he got hurt and he missed games, and then he had to work his way back into the rotation. But to me, that is. Um, that shows you that they have had confidence in him for a long time and not just out of necessity. I mean, a long time, you know, a month, but, um, you know, going back really to the start of this season, um, they've been looking to get him opportunities and they do believe that he, to your point, I think they see him as that, you know, top two way wing that they have available right now. I don't know if he makes as much sense as the starter once Ariza comes back, because I don't know if I trust Austin as the the spacer that he was last night. I mean, five of six is, uh, you know, incredible. I mean, I don't know that you can count on him to go two for five on a nightly basis even. But, um, you know, I mean, the potential's there for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just, it, you know, he gives them, he gives, if he can be that player right now, it gives them the ability to go small more. It gives them the ability to look more like the team they wanted to look like if he can sort of fill that Ariza role, at least in spirit. Yeah, and he doesn't have the the size of Trevor Ariza, but I think he, he's a better shooter and he's a better passer and, and he's a better ball handler. And, and I, I do think we are trending towards, you know, once this team is, is healthy, if they ever get healthy, and we've been saying that all season, uh, like it is a situation where maybe he maybe he and Ariza kind of split time and it's a you know one of them is on the floor as the other wing that that is kind of that three and d presence and then the other spot is an Avery a Wayne a Talon a Malik depending on the matchup and, and what you're looking for but you know those two at least on on paper, you know, on paper for Ariza a Wayne, a Talon, a Malik, <laughs> or how about just Wayne, Talon, or Malik? Like it's like you've got like a basket full of people named Wayne and, and Talons and then Malik's. Like what a stupid device to say. Like you know, could it be someone like Trevor Ariza? No, but it could be Trevor Ariza. Like it's, it's someone like him. Like I just like I love the stupid things we as people say. Not to not to not to pick on you, but that is a stupid. Th- th- thank you. Um, <laughs> my, my my point being is like I, I think the the Lakers have some 
interchangeability among you know, again like to, to me Kendrick Talon and Malik are all relatively similar style of players you know that they're offense first guys who can give you 18 on a given night they could give you six on a given night but I, I think Austin and Trevor at least Trevor in theory uh provide stuff that those guys don't provide and, and that is two-way play consistently uh, and, and, you know, in Trevor, that's a little more size. It's a little more defense with Austin. It's a little more, you know, shooting and, and playmaking, but I just think he, he has something that this team needs. I think he's consistently shown that the, yeah. the data backs it up. He leads the team in plus minus, and I, I know he's missed some time, but, uh, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I do think that the Lakers play better on both ends with Austin Reeves. So I, I think they have to find like, uh, again, to, to use the cliche, like it's, it's a genie out of the bobble, uh, the bobble, out of the bottle moment, as I can't speak here, uh, where Austin, I think he just can't go back to a small role. I think he needs to be playing 20 plus minutes every night, whether that's a starter closer or, or just in the second and third quarters, like he needs a role. And I think that was clear earlier. He lost his spot after getting injured, but now that he's proven this uh, again and just reaffirmed what he can do, uh, I really don't think there's anyone else in the rotation aside from maybe Ariza that can do what he can do on both ends. And uh, that's really important for a group that has struggled to find two-way lineups. So we agree uh, Austin Reeves is great, should be playing more. Seventh Hall of Famer. Uh, the seventh Hall of Famer on the roster. We've made it very deep into this podcast without saying the term uh, hillbilly Kobe, which frankly I feel like has fallen out of the lexicon. And I, I don't I don't know, like, has, have, have there been like a collective, like, under, like I don't know. Has there been, a, has there been like a like a, a memo not to call him Hillbilly Kobe? Like, do people find that disrespectful or something? Because I feel like Hillbilly Kobe has not, um, has not remained the, the nickname of choice for Austin Reeves. And I find that to be, um, unfortunate. I think it's too long. I, I've seen some HBK. It's too long? On well, no, I'm just saying, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to provide the, the, why, why I think people stop. I just think it's too long to type. I, don't, I, like, I think people like most nicknames are short. Society right? is like, broken. Society, if we they can't type Hillbilly Kobe, society is broken. That's because yeah. nicknames suck. We live in a <laughs> shitty nickname time. Eighty. We do. 80. We do. We like do. and like, we finally have a great one. Like, I mean, listen. Like, can you imagine if Charles Barkley's nickname was CB or just Bark? <laughs> oh, big Bark. Like his like it's like no the round, the mound, round mound, of mound of rebound. Yeah, that's like, a great if, one. I don't know. But where I was going to go with that was that now people are calling him AR-15, which is a load, which is a loaded pun intended. Uh, yep. Term. I mean, listen, it's like AK-47 with uh, Andre Kirilenko. That one though, you, you had the Russian element though too, which which kind of tied it together nicely. Aside from true, um, but I mean, there are other nicknames for Austin Reeves, by the way. Gonna, and by the way, get in trouble. I'm going to stop now. But let's let's get let's get the house the housekeeping staff back on back on the podcast. Um, so there are like other nicknames for Austin Reeves and I want to go through some of them. And by the way, I've come up with all these on my own. So I just like, if, if there are other actual nicknames for, for him, like that's great. I have, I've tweeted many times that he could also be known as Arkansas Vujicic. <laughs> and, uh, and because he's from Arkansas, home of the Razorbacks, uh, pig country Reeves. Okay. If you have like better ones, one. tell tweet us to tell us on Twitter at Bill Lorem at Jovan Buha. Uh, let us know fresh. what you like. <laughs> AR Fresh, <laughs> like, uh, like what the the the, 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 the not bald eagle or like just 
uh, Carusorta, I don't know, like um, definitely the, the <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely the the, the Caruso replacement. Um, all right, uh, so the big thing entering this week, I guess we'll pivot. I don't know. We I guess we could do is just do an hour on Austin Reeves if uh, if the I'm um, not opposed. If the room, if the room would allow. There, there's uh, some big stuff to talk about. There is, and like chief among them, by the way, is the fact that the Lakers are not whole. Uh, because of the uh, of the health and safety protocols, they had three players uh, right before this road trip enter the health and safety protocols and end up uh, staying home or going home. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker was the first. The Lakers canceled practice after he entered the health and safety protocols on Tuesday, and then by the time they got to Dallas, Dwight Howard also stayed behind, and then Malik Monk, who made the trip, was sent back. Uh, I believe that it's been reported that uh, assistant coach Phil Handy entered the health and safety protocols. I believe he made the trip as well, although I guess I'm not certain on that one. You might know from being there. And then uh, Bill McDonald, the the venerable voice of the Lakers on Spectrum Sportsnet, play-by-play man, uh, good times. Bill McDonald has uh, also entered the health and safety protocols and he was also on the trip, and as I understood, it was basically almost to the arena on the bus when he realized he needed to go back to the hotel and quarantine. So, um, obviously a lot going on with the Lakers, and probably not out of the woods yet, and the continued testing uh, that they are, uh, you know, going through, trying to make sure that they are, you know, healthy as they hit the road to go to Minnesota. Um, but I mean, listen, I mean, you'd have to say, I mean, playing without Dwight Howard, who's a big part of what they do, Malik Monk, geez, sorry, I wasn't trying to ring any gongs, uh, Malik Monk, who's been, you know, their, maybe their second best bench scorer behind Carmelo, and then, um, and then, uh, Talon, who has been a starter and was coming off of a 19.6 steal game in the win against Orlando. Those are big pieces to have to adjust to playing without. And, you know, I mean, listen, last night's win was not, you know, you, you know, you're not, you're not putting it on the... You know, you're not, you're not nominating it for game of the year, but um, you know they, they survived. They I felt like they, they did a good job of surviving without those guys, and they're gonna have to do it. Uh, it would seem for several games more going forward. What are your what's your kind of your outlook on the rest of this trip and then going forward? Because like I said, three game winning streak. You know, finally getting some separation uh, from 500. You know, they were back and forth. You know, right at 500 for about a month. Um, you know, getting some separation, maybe trying to make a move in the in the West before the schedule really gets more difficult, which starts basically next week once they're back. Unless, I mean, I mean, shit, I mean, it gets difficult Friday in Minnesota. The Wolves are pretty good. They've already spanked the Lakers once. And same is true of Chicago, uh, who the Lakers will see on Sunday, although we don't know who's going to be playing for the Bulls because the Bulls have had their own massive issues with the protocols. But if this is the Lakers group going forward, no Malik, no Talon, no Dwight, you know, for, you know, a week or so, uh, how do you view the Lakers' ability to sort of survive? Uh, well, I got to know who's playing for Chicago first because, uh, right, like, they, I mean, they, they've already had two games postponed. Their next game on the schedule is the Lakers, and you know they, they had to move the, the start time back. And there's, I mean, there's no guarantee that game happens, right? Like, I mean, as of now, it looks like it's going to happen. But uh, I, I think the Lakers got lucky, honestly, because uh, the, the way it had been uh, characterized to me yesterday, like Malik was on the plane. Malik traveled with them to Dallas for sure, and and um, you know, the I, I the, the the testing stuff is all over the place in, in terms of like you know, kind of what we know and, and when they're getting tested and whatnot. But uh, 
the way someone at the game told me it yesterday is like they had a test in the morning where they, they do the little nose swab, the, the little quick test where you, you get your result in 10, 15 minutes and everybody tested negative. And then they did the PCR test and that takes you know six to eight hours or so uh, to, to get that back. So they already were on the plane to Dallas when all of a sudden they started getting all these negative, you know, the, these positive tests of this person has it, this person has it, this person has it. And all those people were already on the plane. And, you know, there could have been a massive outbreak and yeah. the, everyone on the plane, no one's wearing a mask. Everyone, you know, it's business as usual. Everyone's operating as if, you know, no coat, like that's just how teams are operating right now. Once yeah. you're on the plane and it's a private jet and, you know, it's only, you know, team personnel, but that could have been, you know, that could have spread through the entire roster, right? Or, sure. or anyone who hasn't had COVID that we're, we're not aware of. So that could have been disastrous having Malik, uh, you know, uh, on that flight. So you just alluded to something that's really important and I'm going to get off my chest because you're right. They did get lucky. But this this double standard that the Players Association has created where like if you are behind the scenes at an NBA game, players move like there is no COVID. Like, you know, they're not wearing masks as they walk through the tunnels. You know, they're not wearing masks as they walk out to their cars. You know, everyone else who's there is required to, you know, do what they can, right? To do their part, that includes mask wearing. And we'll be sitting in the press conference room and a player will come in and sit there and talk to us for eight minutes. They're not wearing a mask when they enter the room. It's not like they're just taking down their mask to talk. I don't know that they have a mask, you know, on their person. And like, there are exceptions, but like, by and large, that's been the reality. And I just feel like there's been this double standard that like, oh, players are different. And it's like, no, they're not. They're people with, with respiratory systems who, you know, can catch can catch the virus. And like, I'm going to say kudos to Frank Vogel. NBA coach, vaccinated NBA coaches are not required to wear masks. I know they coached in masks uh, in the bubble and last year as well, up until maybe the playoffs. And finally, you know, once vaccines, you know, the vaccine kind of became more commonplace, you know, vaccinated coaches didn't have to wear, head coaches didn't have to wear masks anymore, which was understandable for where we were as a society. And Frank Vogel last night, you know, knowing that there's an outbreak with his team, you know, coached a mask and like, you know, he doesn't have to do that. And I think, you know, it's, you know, does that protect him, give him additional protection? Probably some. Is it maybe a little more of a, a statement than anything else? Like probably, but it's like a good statement to make. And Austin Reeves did his media last night wearing a mask. And like, I just think, you know, that messaging is important. And I, I respect those guys for, for, for doing that because like, you know, they operate in a world where, you know, it's like you go downstairs at the Lakers practice facility, you know, you walk into a practice. It's like, there's, you know, it's not like those guys live in the facility and they never go anywhere and never see anyone else. You know, it's like, there's just been a double standard that's been created. Like it doesn't exist for NBA players. And that is where you're clearly seeing now is not the case. So um, that annoys me. And the fact, like you said, that they're on the, they're on the plane and, you know, largely, you know, presumably not wearing masks. I mean, I think the Lakers tweeted or Instagrammed a photo of Malik Monk getting off the plane, you know, not wearing a mask uh, in, in Dallas, you know, obviously didn't know yet. Uh, it's just, or maybe it was getting on the plane, one, one of the two, but it does sort of speak to sort of the cavalier nature around NBA teams that I think the league is trying to, uh, reverse a trend they're trying to reverse now yeah i was just going to add that lebron and ad wore masks lebron kind of had his around his chin yeah Uh, yeah, good show um i don't remember if russ did or not i actually russ did so i do think the the lakers made a point um and actually after we were leaving the press conference russ went last uh frank was in the hallway and was kind of walking with us and at the end of you know just 
two minute quick conversation. Uh, at the end of it, he's like, all right, going to go get tested. And he went into like the side room. So like, uh, I, I think the, the, the rules are different once you've had players in protocols. I think the, the there's increased testing. Uh, I think the Lakers as an organization are trying to send that message of mask wearing, you know, increasing that at least temporarily. Uh, but I'm with you that there's a giant double standard that it, it's felt it's felt odd because, you know, we have all these restrictions on us and not to compare us to the players necessarily, but it, it's, it's, you know, if one of us gets it, the, the other one's probably going to get it because we're in the same room for 10 minutes, uh, you know. So, yeah, but I think I guess to get back to the road trip, um, the Minnesota game will be interesting because the, the, the Lakers were in control of that game in that first half. You know, let it slip towards the end of the half and then got spanked in the third quarter. Uh, the Chicago game, another one where, I mean, they, they just trailed from start to finish in that one uh, back at Staples Center. But we don't know which Bulls players are going to be available, which ones won't. Uh, but I think the Lakers are headed in the right direction. And uh, again, this is where you, you take a shot, you, you do the dong. Uh, but one three in a row, have won six of eight and eight of 12. And I will preface it with this has been a really easy stretch of schedule. If you look at two wins over Detroit, a win over Sacramento, a win over OKC, Orlando, Dallas without Luka. Like these are all easy games that this team should be winning. You are really trying to keep me from hitting that turning point gong. At the same time though, they were losing these games earlier in the season, yeah. you know, twice losing to OKC, right? There it is. Losing to uh, Minnesota. Like the truth is at this point, if you look at the Lakers schedule, they've largely beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. They have a few bad losses against those, but like They've mainly beaten bad teams and they've lost to medium to good teams. And I want to see that reverse. You know, I want to see that trend reverse for me to fully buy into this team has turned a corner. This team is back. This team is who we think they should have been because until we see, like if they go beat Minnesota and Chicago somehow is largely healthy and they beat them like, okay, I'm encouraged by that. Then, Then you got Phoenix at home. You win that game, like okay, now you're on a six-game win streak. I, I'm encouraged by that, but until they start beating good teams, I, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. But we had not seen any consistency from this team, and we are starting to see more of it. So I, I think they deserve credit. Uh, m- maybe not as much credit as some people are going to give them, but I, I do think things are headed in the right direction. It's just a matter of, again, I want to see them beat some better teams because I, I think they've largely beaten lottery teams. Yeah, I think that uh, it's such an important point that you just made that I want to just emphasize. I don't think people should get overly excited about the team the, about these wins because they're kind they're games that the Lakers absolutely should be winning. But like you said they were letting their foot off the gas and losing early in the year. And I appreciated frankly that the Lakers beat Oklahoma City and Orlando um so soundly. You know, those weren't close games. I know the OKC game, the Thunder made a little bit of a push late, and it was kind of like, will they? But, like, it wasn't real. Um, I thought, you know, it's like we've seen the Lakers let teams back in games. They've The Lakers have played basically all close games in the second half uh, up until, you know, I mean, I know they blew out Sacramento, but that was close at halftime. You know, Orlando and, you know, they've, they've been beating the teams they should beat in the way they should beat them. And last night was a little different, obviously. If you lose to Dallas... Um, you know, I think that we're kind of back to the same old, you know, the Lakers are an up and down team. They're kind of around 500. Now they're only one game over, you know, the narrative shifts swings pretty significantly on the, um, 
on the on the Austin Reeve shot, and even more to the point on the Wayne Ellington three that was sort of you know, you know, lu- you know, kind of luck that they got a second look there. Um, but you know, I don't know that that's a game they're winning earlier in the year. I don't know that they're blowing out Orlando and OKC earlier in the year. So to me, that is progress. And this is a team that like, like for better or worse, has to figure a lot of things out over the course of the year. Um, in order to be successful because they basically started over with this roster. And so um, to me, it's tangible growth, not a turning point. I don't believe in turning points anymore, but I do think that it's something that you can kind of hang on to as you try to, as you try to slowly build something. Yeah. I think we're, we're in agreement. I will say some encouraging things lately, like LeBron has been at an insane level and, and, you know, insane is I guess relative, but he's, he's back to being LeBron. I think he's back at that. MVP level. The, the one thing that's been lacking is the defense, and I, I would like to see a little more effort and consistency on him, uh, you know, from him on that end. Which We've is why seen... Austin Reeves is the Lakers' best <laughs> two-way wing. Uh, I guess he is, but uh, Russ still has some Russ moments. But overall, Russ has has been better. And I mean, you you just look at the assist numbers and and you know cutting down on the turnovers, cutting down on the three-point attempts. Uh, I think overall his shot selection has been much better. And finally, the Lakers have embraced going small. There's really only one small unit, which is when they go LeBron at center. Otherwise, they have AD at the five or they have Dwight or DeAndre on the floor at the five. And like, that's not a small unit. And and once they get Trevor Ariza back, I think they'll be able to put together some bigger small ball units. But overall, I think just having one big on the floor has been really key for the Lakers over the last... A uh, couple weeks, and it took a little bit longer to get there than I think most people assumed. But I think they're finally there. I, I don't think they're going to go back to the two big basketball. We might see some stretches where where they do that, but I think in terms of starting and closing games, they're going to stick with this you know smaller group. So again, like you can only play who's in front of you, and you know I, I think it, it isn't. I don't think you should hold it against the Lakers that they're only beating lottery teams, but they have some tougher teams coming up. Uh, again, Minnesota, Chicago, Phoenix, Brooklyn on Christmas. Uh, you know. Memphis, Portland, Minnesota, again, uh, kind of around the new year. So if, if they go four and two, five and two during that uh, stretch of games, like that will be encouraging and, and we can have a different conversation and you can hit the dong again. Which gong is that? Is it the turning point gong? Yeah. I said the dong, so I, 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 I you sure did. You sure <laughs> did. That's a, that's a different forum club podcast. A thing about Austin Reeves, I did some research. <laughs> uh, um, Austin Reeves has been like, is kind of the, is kind of the the game winner god. I don't know if you know this. Last night was his third game winner of 2021. Okay, so he had the summer league put back. You remember that? Mm-hmm. You were there for that. Mm-hmm. Hit the put back in summer league, and then in college at OU, he had in double overtime against West Virginia the uh, school of Jerry West, Rod Thorne, and my father. Uh, he hit a go-ahead basket with like 20 seconds left in double overtime. And then he had last night. So if we are thinking of nicknames for Austin Reeves, mm-hmm. should we call up Jerry West and see if he would um, if he would if he would hand over Mr. Clutch? Yeah. I thought you were going. You were going with Jerry West as his nickname. Just call him like, Jerry well, West. I mean, that also has it, potential. Sure, sure. Yeah, the the logo, Mr. Clutch. Basically, it, it needs to be better than AR15. I think we're in agreement that it, it has to be better than that nickname. By the way, like 
Speaking of great nicknames that, like, were too long to tweet, like, Zeke from Cabin Creek, like, that was a good one. You know, the Hick from French Lick. Hillbilly Kobe is shorter than both of those iconic nicknames. Like, get out of here. But like, the, the Twitter didn't exist back then. Really? In, in Jerry West's time? But, like, where did Shams post all of his scoops? I'm very confused on how time works, apparently. Uh, Jovan, what do we need to do before you let the... Uh, let them turn over your room for the next guest at the Spring Hill Suites in the, the, the no, West no, End Okay, of hold on, hold on. I'm at the AC Hotel, okay? Wow. I'm a man of class. Wow. <laughs> I don't Listen, I didn't know you traveled like that. I didn't know you worked the expense account like that. When I travel, <laughs> it is the Spring Hill Suites in the West End. It is, uh, they have free suckers on the counter, lollipops, that are, um, that are a favorite. And it's in close location to some of the finest uh, uh, dining establishments in Dallas. So... Um, like there's a Hooters nearby. So I'm just saying that, um, <laughs> I'm, that, you know, I'm sitting you're, on you're a leather just, couch I, right now. I got a nice wood panel, uh, wall behind me. It's, uh, it's nice. I'm just saying that all, that all comes out of, uh, that all comes out of the collective pot that we all share. And I will think about that the next time <laughs> I'm staying at, you know, some roach motel in, in, uh, in Jersey city, uh, waiting to cover the Lakers and Nets. So I will be think I will I will keep this in mind and I will hold it against you. Um, Jovan has a flight to catch. Head up to Minneapolis to see if the Lakers can keep this momentum going. I uh, don't. So we will <laughs> get out of here and touch base again next week on the Forum Club. Uh, we certainly appreciate following along, listening, making it this far on this podcast, and reading our work at the Athletic. For Jovan Buha, I'm Bill Orem. Thank you for listening. <laughs>